in this series called Miracles. Miracles. How many of you enjoyed the series so far? Everybody, everybody, all right? So those of you that it's your first time in this series and hearing it, we're in the Gospel of John, and we're studying the miracles, or as John calls them, the signs. And these, he has seven of them. This is going to lead us up to, we have two more weeks, just two more weeks of messages here, and it's going to lead us all the way to Easter Sunday, April 17th, the miracle of the resurrection. It's going to be a powerful experience. I'm so excited about what God is doing in this season. I just sense the presence of God in here and around us and what God is doing. Um, let me clue you in on something, too, really cool and exciting. KGET reached out to us just this last week, and they want Discovery Church broadcasted on television Sunday morning, Sunday night. Come on, isn't that cool? Come on. So, you know, we didn't plan for it, but... I mean, that's closed caption, new cameras and all that stuff. We're like, okay, let's figure this, let's figure this out, God. But with that is going to come now. We're going to um, figure out how to broadcast even nationally to a, a larger audience. So God is moving, man. And it's just amazing to see what he is doing. And we serve the God of miracles. And, and, and I hope that that's what this series is doing. We're doing a verse-by-verse study, and it's very practical, and we're digging in, maybe pulling out some principles and things that, that you haven't seen in the scriptures, and that's so cool. I love that. I love teaching the Word of God, but I hope that in this series that, that you're stirring your faith, like the, the song that we're singing about, he's the same God that we serve. He is the God of miracles, and I hope that, yes, you are growing in your Word and loving your Word more, learning new things, great, yes, but but I hope that uh, amidst all that, that your faith is growing. It's your believing God bigger. Amen? Amen? Let me start off with Psalm chapter 77, actually. But it's not even in your notes. Look what it says. You are the God of miracles and wonders. And I love this, what he says. And you still. Come on, say that with me. God, you still. You still, God. You still demonstrate your awesome power. He is the same God. He's the same God he is that we're reading about that he wants to be in your life today. And I understand that the concept of miracles is hard for some people to believe. There might be some of you in here today that you're in the journey of faith still. You might not truly like fully believe yet you're on the journey and this is kind of hard for some people. Like for some, some people this is silly. This is a stumbling block to the reason why they can't believe in God because of the miraculous, but if there is a God that created all things in the universe and sits above all things that is timeless, nothing is impossible with God. And there's even some of you that you do believe in miracles, but you still have a degree of uncertainty. Because, like, like he, some of you wrestle with, like, well, he does miracles sometimes, but why doesn't he do it other times? And I hope, I hope that this series and today as well is going to stir your faith. That's actually my goal. My goal today is to stir some faith inside of you, that it would activate supernatural, to activate something miraculous to happen in your life. Amen, somebody? All right, we're, we're, last week we, we studied a miracle that's called the feeding of the 5,000. And what we found out that it's actually like fifteen to 25,000 people. But if you haven't caught the sermons in this series, I just want to encourage you to at least catch that one. Go back and watch that, because today is going to be kind of like a part two to that. We're still in John chapter 6, and all these events, these two miracles are kind of coupled together, okay? It's like, it's, it's in addition to that miracle of the feeding of, five, of the 5,000, which in that miracle, the miracle we just studied, it was the largest scale miracle that Jesus ever did. 
Like he did big miracles and did big things, and a lot of people saw it. But this, nothing ever like this, where, where he displayed like his power and glory on a scale. This was the peak of Jesus' ministry on earth. This right here, the feeding, the last miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. Like Jesus literally, he, he manifested manna. He created bread that had never been baked. He, manif he, he manifested fish that never swam in a sea, never died, never lived, but it was there for everybody. Thousands and thousands of people ate and had left over. And then we found out last week, but even, even then, the crowds didn't understand. They didn't learn a lesson in the miracle. They didn't learn the lesson from the loaves that not even the disciples learned the lesson because we found out last week that their hearts were hard, that something in their hearts just were not receptive to the message inside the miracle. So they couldn't receive, even though it was a public demonstration, a huge public miracle, the biggest, they couldn't receive it. And then just after that, we get into John chapter 6 still. The, the disciples get into this boat and Jesus puts them in this boat, and they go off into the middle of the sea, and they encounter a huge storm. We're going to talk about today this miracle, this fifth miracle, uh, called walking on water. Walking on water. And so the disciples, they get into this boat, and they encounter a storm, man, and, and, and it, they're afraid it's going to take them out. So I want you to receive the message today with that context of, like, the storms that you're in or that you're encountering, because there's all kinds of storms that we go in throughout life, right? You could be in an emotional storm. You could be in a relational storm, a financial storm, a physical storm. There's all kinds. I want you to receive the message today in that context of the storms that we, we, the, that we find ourselves in or that you might find yourself in today, and I believe you're here on purpose. You are here on purpose, and can I tell you something right off the bat here? Listen to me. You are not going under. That storm is not going to take you out. Listen, you're not going under. Jesus is on top of the storm. What you think is overtaking you, Jesus is coming in on top of what you think is over you. It's not going to take you out in Jesus' name. Will you receive that today? Because I believe there are some storms in this house that we are consumed by and that we are buffeted by, but Jesus is not going to let the storm take you out. This one today, this, this miracle, is one of the most astounding miracles in the entire Bible. It shows kind of the, the connection between the divine and human elements involved in every, every miracle. So let me say it this way. Every miracle that God does, like every miracle and supernatural act of God, is a divine occurrence coupled with a human action, a human activity. So let's do this. We're going to read. John only gives us six verses for this miracle. So like we have been doing in this series, we're going to take some of the other gospel narratives as well, because there's four gospels, and this, this miracle is in a few of the other ones. So we're going to get some, some context from the other disciples and, and the other gospels and, and get some more context to the narrative of this miracle that we see in John chapter 6. Y'all ready for the word of God today? All right, let's go. John chapter 6, verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, and where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum, by now it was dark. Say dark. So this is John pointing this out on purpose. Have you ever been in a dark season? Have you ever gone through a dark time, a dark moment, a moment of darkness? This is what they're going into right now. It wasn't just physically dark, but this was a dark moment that they're about to but in their emotions and spiritually they're going they're entering into darkness okay but G, and jesus had not yet jo joined them so not only are they in the darkness but they feel away from god 
They feel like, like Jesus is, is unaware or not there. Next verse. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water. And, and they were frightened, the Bible says. They've never seen nothing like that before. I don't know if you have, but they're freaking out about this. Next verse. But he said to them, it is I. Don't be what? Don't be afraid at what you're, this storm, look, I'm above it, I'm on top of it. Don't be afraid of this thing. And then it says they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Verse 22. Next verse. No? Then they were willing to take him into the boat. Is that the last verse? See, thank you so much for protecting me for that. She's all, no, you ain't going to that last verse. Okay, today, I want to give you um, three faith keys to experience a miracle. Three faith keys to experience, like if you need a miracle, because you just need to know it doesn't move God when you complain about it, when you criticize, when you moan and groan. It's faith that moves the heart and the hand of God to do the miraculous. We need to increase our faith, and my goal today is just to stir that inside of you, to, to stir some faith to be increased inside of you. So let me kind of set it up with some of the other gospel narratives here, okay? Because in this time at John chapter 6, um, Jesus had been traveling and doing a lot of ministry already. And he actually, before the feeding of the 5,000, he had planned on going to rest, like going to a solitary place. But then this crowd started showing up out of nowhere. And the disciples were tired too. They had already been doing a lot of miracles, a lot of traveling, a lot of ministry. And then all this big old crowd comes in and the disciples go, please, we're tired, send them away. And Jesus is like, no, you feed them. We're going to take care of these people. Even in the middle of our need, we're going to take care of them. So then they take care of all these thousands of people. And then after that, they are extremely tired. And Jesus is ready for his solitary place. He wants to go to be with his father. He's like, no, okay, I'm done. I need to go recharge. I need to, Jesus did that, okay? Jesus went to go be with his father to go recharge in his human nature. So he's busy from it. And the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 14, that immediately after that feeding of the 5,000 and they kind of, after that, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And I was reading this and I thought it was really interesting that Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. That, that he literally, listen, he literally put them into a boat and into a situation that was leading them into a crisis. That he, he made them go through the storm, like literally he's, he, and I want you to know, listen, certain storms are unavoidable. You cannot avoid emotional, psychological, or relational storms. We spend so much energy trying to get out of them instead of asking God to teach us the lessons that we need to learn to go through them. Because at this point of ministry, remember, he, Jesus has been the one doing the miracles, but now he's maturing them and raising them up. He knows he's not going to be with them forever. they got to be the ones, man, that advance this gospel, that, that proclaimed Jesus crucified, dead, resurrected. they got to be the miracle workers. So now he's testing them, testing their faith, and giving them more responsibility. And now he makes them go through a storm because there are certain things you can only learn through a storm. There are certain lessons that you cannot learn on the sidelines or on the shore. Jesus made them get into the boat and get to the other side. So instead of running from that storm, maybe, maybe, maybe you should ask God, like, what are you teaching me through this storm? He makes them get into the boat and go ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, that crowd that was hungry 
after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself. So he's up here, and they're down here, right? He's on this mountainside, and they're down there. And we know they're rowing, and they get into, uh, the, the storm gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's tossing them. Fear is gripping their hearts and their minds, and circumstances get wor- worse, and they're consumed by their circumstance. They're consumed by the storm. And the real problem in this is this, that, that the circumstances consume us so much that we can't see that we can't believe, and we can't even get to our miracle because of the the circumstances of the storm around us. So when we're consumed by our circumstances, there's a few things that happen to us. I want to show it to you in the other gospel narratives that happen to the disciples. Then we're going to get into the faith keys. But I need you to see this, that when we're consumed by our circumstances, there's a few things that happen. Here they are. Write them down. Number one, we feel far away from help. Okay, we feel this way. Like even if there were options available to us, resources available to us, even if there were people available to us, like one text away in the middle of the storm, we feel like we are on an island. And the enemy would even want to tell you and convince you that you're all alone, that you're not there, when in reality, you do have people that are so close, but you feel, your feelings are telling you, no, it's not. You're all alone in this. And so we get consumed and feel so far away from help. Look at Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 6. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. It was literally at the furthest point away from the shores as it possibly were alone in the middle of this lake. And look what it says, though. This was at evening. Here they are, and the, and the storm starts. Then it says, shortly before dawn, the literal translation of that is the fourth hour or the fourth watch. And in, in Hebrew, what that is, is the time 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., okay? It's, it's, it's the final hour of the night is what this is. That's when Jesus decided to come out walking on the lake. I want you to see this with me, you guys, that Jesus is on his mountain, and he's, he sees the storm from his vantage point, and he waits from evening to the beginning, that translation is the beginning. This is like at the beginning of night. Nighttime came to the last watch, to the final, literal final. He waited until the last watch. You ever feel like God, like, God, man, what, where are you in this? Your timing is just so, ah. Uh, you know something about God's timing? Listen, God's timing is intentional. God's timing is to teach you to trust See, when you're in the storm, you want relief. That's what you want. Make it stop. Have, have you ever been in that place where you're just like, God, please make it stop. Make it stop. Please, please. God, I will do anything. Make it stop. I'm just tired of this. This is beating up against me. God, please make the storm stop. We want relief, but God's timing isn't for your relief. God's timing is for your revelation. Remember that God is doing something deeper. The circumstances are, are not really what it's all about. God wants to penetrate deeper to our hearts. But here's the human problem with that waiting period from the time the storm starts to the fourth watch of the storm. The longer we wait, the louder the what ifs in my head. Right? Do you know what the what ifs are? You know when you get like, you're beat down by the circumstance or by the trial and you're like, what if, what if you don't come? What if I never get out of this? What if I don't, what, what if it doesn't happen? What if we can't work things out? What if, what if the future this, and the louder these what ifs in my mind go, the longer I, I, I wait. 
they're out there, and they feel like they're all alone. What if, what if? Have you ever felt like you're all alone, all alone? Like, please, just make us up. That's where they're at. They're in this, this place. Can I tell you something? You are not alone. You feel like you're alone. Your feelings feel real, but they will betray you. They will betray and lie to you because that is not the reality. You are not alone. We get consumed by our problems and our storms. Here's the second thing what happens when we're consumed by them. We get blinded by our problems. Like we cannot see. The, the, the problem and the storm gets bigger and bigger and bigger to where our vision gets totally consumed by our circumstances and we're blinded by the situation. It's all we think about. For some of us, it keeps us even from sleeping at night because we're just all consumed with the storm we're going through. The circumstances that we're in can sometimes even prevent us from seeing what's around us. We're just so consumed with the storm, we totally lose perspective, don't we? We lose. We can't see the problem from another angle. We can't use the critical thinking at all and, and, and see it from any other angle than the storm that we're in. And sometimes we get so blinded, we can't even locate God in the middle of it. Where is he? And the problem becomes magnified in our vision. It just gets so huge, it blocks everything else out. Matthew chapter 14 in Matthew's gospel, it says this, the boat was already con a considerable distance from the land and it was buffeted, meaning it was slammed by the waves because the wind was against us. And this, the, the, the disciples were, were blinded. They couldn't see. They were so consumed. They couldn't see. But remember, Jesus was on the mountainside and this mountain was literally right over the sea. That they were, they were the, so just because they couldn't see Jesus didn't mean Jesus couldn't see them. Can I speak that into your storm right now? Whatever you're going through, listen, you, not, you might not be able to see Jesus right now, but that does not mean Jesus cannot see you. His eyes have not left your plot, your situation, okay? Here's the next thing that happens when we get consumed by our circumstances. Number three is that we struggle to fix it ourselves. We try to put our hands to it, right? And I mean, to some extent, isn't that what we're supposed to do? I mean, Pastor Jason, didn't you just preach this? Do what you can with what God gave you. Like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? To some extent, yes, but listen to me. There's, there are some problems and storms you're going to come up against that you, you are not, you don't have the power, you don't have the strength, you don't have the intellect. And even if you are doing it and doing it with what God has given you to do it with, you shouldn't be doing it in your own strength. I think many of us have developed a pattern of prayerlessness and self-reliance. That just because you can do it by yourself doesn't mean you should. So, so and what we have with the, with the small problems and the small storms, we just jumped in. We're like, I got this one, God. I got this one. I got it. And we just fix it. I got this one. But, but what I, we've done that so much, it created a pattern and a habit in our life that when the big one comes and when you should be crying out to God and looking to your, to your help, you jump in and try to fix it again. We all do it. I do it, you guys. It's just the, the nature, man. When my kids would get sick, what would I do? I'd take, check the temperature. I'd, I'd call the doctor. I'd, I'd get the medicine cabinet. to get that fever down. I'd do the pharmaceutical calculation. What's their weight? Okay, here it is. And this is how much they need. And when's the next dose? And I map it all out. And, and when I should have, look, I shouldn't have done that. That's not how I should have responded. I should have laid hands on my children and prayed over them and invited God into that and then gave them medication. Stop it, okay? And then put down the fever, okay? I'm not saying don't give them the fever medication. What I'm saying is we develop a pattern of doing it ourselves 
when even when you do what God has called you to do with the gifts and the strengths he's called you to do it, you should be inviting him in, and it, and it is his power that's enabling, and in grace that's enabling you to do it. But we struggle. This is what we do when we're consumed by our circumstances. This is what the disciples did. Back to Mark's gospel. He says this. He saw the disciples. Jesus saw the disciples. Again, he's got the vantage point, man. He's on the, he, he, has, he knows. He sees you. You're not alone. He's, he, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And I think, like, that's exactly what you and I do, right? We try to correct the problem. We try to fix the issue. We're straining at the oars like the disciples to save their lives. I do that. We do that. Here's lastly, what we, when we're consumed by our circumstances, we have a hard time recognizing God. Like, we can't, we can't see his activity or his presence in our life. He could actually be right there in our midst with us wanting to help, and we can't even recognize it or even like, like what he's trying to do in the middle of it. And this is exactly what happened to the disciples. Look, it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 49. But when they saw him, when the disciples saw him walking on top of the water on the lake, they thought, look at it, they thought he was a ghost. How terrible, right? Because here they are. They're like already afraid that they're going to die. They're like so consumed by this storm, like we're going to sink from this thing. And then they see a ghost. It went from bad to worse, right? They're like, it's the ferryman come to take souls to the underworld in the water. Oh, my God. And so this is like a bad, they can't reckon. This is the same Jesus that was with them just a few hours ago. The same Jesus for years they've been walking with and hanging out with and spending their entire time with. That same, he didn't disguise his presence at all. It was the storm that they were so consumed with, they couldn't recognize God coming up. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. They couldn't recognize the Lord. And I think in our problems and in their problem, we're waiting for God to reveal himself in ways that we can understand. And, and because you can only control what you understand. Like, like in the storm, you don't want to give up the oars. You don't want to let go of the control. And God is, is like not going to come to your aid in ways that are always understandable to you. In ways that you always recognize. In the storm, we have a hard time recognizing God. And these guys, they need a miracle. Right? They need a miracle. And you may be here today and need a miracle. Listen, God often works in ways that exceed our limitation and our logic and comprehension. You know why? Because he's God. That's why. Because he's bigger than your mind. He's bigger than your, your comprehension. Jesus was having a conversation with a rich guy at one time in the, in the Bible, and, and he, this rich guy responded to Jesus and told Jesus, that's impossible, Jesus, which is sometimes what we say to Jesus. That's impossible, Jesus. And then Jesus looks to him in the crowd that was around him in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, what? All things are possible. All things are possible. Listen, miracles are not, they're not about praying the right prayers. It's not about being the perfect Christian. Miracles are about what happens when you welcome God's presence and power into your life. That's, that's, so if you're facing a dilemma or a circumstance right now and you need a miracle, the, 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 the great news is this. If you allow him, God can use your pain as a key that can open the door to God's presence in your life, which is, which is what you need for a miracle, the presence of God. So when you need a miracle, you need to activate your faith. Let me give you some faith keys. And this is going to be 
hard for, for some of you, but if you need a miracle, what you need is faith, and you got to do this first thing. Number one, you got to open yourself up to the supernatural. you got, you got to open yourself up to it like, like that God, we serve a supernatural God. You need to open yourself up to things that are they're not understandable or don't fit in your logic. Do you know what God desires to, to give you? He, he desires to give you supernatural power. Do you know that? He wants you to walk in supernatural power. Did you know that you can learn to access and operate in the supernatural power of God so that you can overcome any and every obstacle in opposition? That God wants to give you power for that. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. For the spirit that God has given us doesn't make us timid or afraid. Instead, his spirit fills us with what? With power. God wants to give you supernatural power. And we forget in the middle of the storm, we're filled with fear. But you got power inside of you. You got a power indwelled by the Holy Spirit. God has given every believer power. Power. And why does God give us power? So that we can walk in victory over every opposition, over every foe. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, a few verses, not in your notes. Check this out. He says, now thanks be to God, who what? Who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Not sometimes. God always leads us in triumph. Now, I'm not saying you're never going to fail, but God will even cause those failures, those, those storms, those pains, the crisis he made me get in. God will always cause that for my triumph in Christ. First John chapter 5, verse 4. Look at this. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone, not some people. Some of you are like, well, that's, this is just mine. I got I to deal with this. No, no, no. According to God's word, everyone born of God will be an overcomer in this world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, not your strength, not your, not your mind, not your ability. It's your faith. It's your faith that overcomes. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Know in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God has given us, according to scriptures, we have been given the power to overcome. And, uh, and that's, that's why the Holy Spirit reminds us through the Apostle Paul that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Of power. We have to realize the supernatural power of God might come in packages and processes that we don't understand. God's not going to come in, that in a comfortable way and fit in our little box like we want him to. And the cool thing about this miracle is John didn't put it in his, in, in his narrative, in his account of this miracle. But Peter, actually, some of you know the story. Peter actually steps out on that water and walks with Jesus. Peter, begins, who's seen the miraculous, begins to believe God and open himself up to the, to the supernatural a little bit. And, and, and look what happens in Matthew chapter 14. Now, for those of you who are just like, why didn't John do that? That's pretty cool. Why didn't John include that in his gospel? Here's the reason. Remember, in, in the gospel of John, his signs, the miracles, are signs that point to Jesus' glory and help us believe in him. So that's the whole reading, why, reason why he's writing. There's a lot of stuff that he didn't write about. Remember, the Bible says that there could be no, not enough books in the world that would record all of Jesus' miracles and teachings. There just wouldn't, okay? So he omits that because it's just not fitting to his narrative. He just wants to reveal the glory of Jesus' 
and point you to belief in him. But there's these other, that's why I want to include the other gospel narratives in here, you guys. Matthew chapter 14 says this, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter, he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you to the water. He just like opens himself up to the supernatural here. But remember, the longer we wait, the louder the what ifs. Remember, like, like, like the, oh, what if this? What, what, what if that happens? But it works both ways. What if works both ways? So watch this. What if we fail? But what if we succeed? What if the storm takes us out? But what if we make it to the other side? See, see fear is just faith in the wrong what if. See, see it's, a, like, it's harder to give faith to the if in the middle of the storm. It's just a lot easier to give fear to your if when you're in the storm. And so every one of us are battling with the what ifs, but in the middle of the storm, if you want to see the supernatural, you got to start feeding your what if differently. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, uh, what if the, uh, the, the wind is proof that what's on the other side is significant enough that we got to push through this thing? What, what if we can, see, what if we either freak you out or make you step out in faith? It will, it'll either do one of those things. Fear is faith in the wrong what if. Peter demonstrates, he doesn't just demonstrate faith. Peter demonstrates possibility. He said, Lord, if it's you. If. I said, just what if, what if, what if. It, some of you need to get the right what if in you. You need to get the right, you need to get rid of the fear what if and get the right. Just open yourself up to the supernatural. What if, God? What if he does? What if we make it to the other side? And then he does this thing, the second key to experiencing a miracle. Number two, you, you got to jump out of the boat. You got to jump out. Now, some of you would like to call it faith, but really you're freaking out. You jump out. You're jumping out of the boat, not because of faith. You're, you're freaking out. You're bailing on the thing, okay? So let me just, don't take what Pastor Jason said. Oh, he said, I can jump out of this thing. And you leave. Listen, because we see the storm as a sign and the wind as a sign, many of us do, as a sign to turn back. But that's not. God is making you go through the storm to produce something inside of you. Some of you try to turn back or jump out, but Peter didn't jump. He didn't jump out and go, back he jumped out and made it to the other side so be careful be careful that you don't misinterpret your storm and turn around on that thing sometimes God will take you through the storm because there's only some things he can teach you through the pain through the crisis through the buffeting of the winds and the depression and your anxiety and the relationship and your and your career and some things he can only teach you when you're battered by the wind can I tell you something the wind may be against you but the word is for you the word is for you. The word is, is with you. But after you open yourself up to the supernatural, you got to jump out of the boat. Matthew chapter 14. He says, if, if, what if, Jesus? Uh, just say the word. And then Jesus takes him literally and he gives him one word. Come. See, God doesn't give details. He gives direction. Come. Come. Just one word. Come. He's, he, 
And if you're, some of you are waiting, like you, you need, you're waiting for details and you're asking God for details. If that's you and you're in this house and you're waiting for some details, you're watching online, you're waiting for some details, stop asking God for the details and start asking for direction. Just start, start asking God for the direction because sometimes he'll, God will tell me, say you're sorry. Or sometimes it's just one word, forgive, love, peace, okay? And some of you are waiting for the confirmation to obey God, listen to me, the command is the confirmation. Because, listen, because some of you, listen, God is already, he's not giving you the details that you're waiting for, but he's already giving you the direction. And some of you have already heard the word. You heard the word, get into a group. Serve. Give. That's all. And, and you're waiting for details to obey, but the command was the confirmation, and he's not going to give you the details of why maybe you need to get into that group, because when you do get into that group, you're going to get the community you've always needed, the support you always needed, the prayer you always needed, the resources going to come through the relationship, and he's not going to give you the details, he's just going to give you the command, and some of you need to take the command and jump, because you already know, you already, a lot of you already know what he said. It's important to note here, though, that the storm hasn't even ceased at this point. It's still raging. It's still raging. And there he is, stepping out in, in faith, defying his own thought process. Peter walked on water, jumped out of the boat. Here we go. When you need a miracle, number three, you need to open up, jump out of the boat. Number three, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes. Peter steps out of the boat, walks on water, but he didn't get far. He began to sink. Matthew chapter 14 tells us that when he noticed, he noticed how strong the wind was, he became afraid and started to sink. You know, Peter didn't sink because he couldn't walk on water because he was. He's, he, was, he was doing it, man. He did walk for a short while. It wasn't because of, he lacked effort. No, it wasn't that. Peter started to sink because he, he started to doubt he could accomplish what God commanded him to accomplish. Whenever you doubt that, whenever you, whenever you get consumed by that, you doubt that you can do what God has commanded you to do, you'll begin to sink, and Peter begins to doubt. Verse 30 tells us he started when he saw the strength of the wind. Peter wouldn't have noticed the wind and the waves if he'd been focusing on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, a few verses that are not even in your notes. It says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We gotta stay focused on him. 2 Corinthians chapter four says this, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, on the circumstances around us, but we gotta look on that which is not seen by faith, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Matthew chapter 14, he shouted, Peter, when he saw the wind and the, the waves and they're coming up against him, he, he shouted, Lord, save me. And I love this, immediately, Jesus reached out and caught him. Listen, sometimes I, I see this, read this, and I thought about this miracle, and I thought like he was drowning. And I picture Jesus like jumping in and like saving Saving Peter. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says like immediately when he started to sink. Like he's not, he's, he, he was not in over his head. 
Listen to me. Jesus will not let this storm take you out. You're not going to get in over your head immediately when he recognizes it. He's, and he's able to talk, right? He's, he's not under the water. He says, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out and caught hold of him and said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt? Yeah, I, <laughs> that'll, that's a different message. Because I read that and I was like, little faith? That's little faith? I'm in trouble, man. I'm in trouble. That's a different message. Here's, here's what I want, I, I want to do. I gave you some blank lines in your handout. I want to ask you a question here, okay? Let's go those, that, that statement. In what area of your life do you need to get out of the boat, walk on water, and experience a miracle? I gave you a few blank lines, and if you're watching online, I want you to think about this. And I want you to write something out. In what area of your life, like I know it's messy right now, it may be tragic or painful, that circumstance, that, that, that difficult thing, you need a miracle. I want you to open yourself up to the supernatural. Like, like what area? Some of you need to write down, like, heal my daughter. Heal my son, God. Restore my marriage. Restore my mind. Take my anxiety. Take my depression. Take my panic attacks. Break my addiction, God. Restore that relationship. Heal my body. Some of you need a breakthrough, and you need God's supernatural power to do it. And I want to just encourage you to step out of that boat. Write something down. Invite God into that space if you need a breakthrough. Matthew chapter 14 says this, that when they had climbed into the boat and the wind died down and those who were in the boat, they worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Something happened in this miracle that changed the disciples' life forever. That this previous miracle that they were in, the feeding of the 5,000, just right before in John chapter 6, it was, it was a public demonstration. It was a public miracle. But this wasn't. This wasn't public. It was just the disciples in a boat, all alone, by themselves. It wasn't a public miracle. It was a private victory. We're told that in, back in John chapter 6, if I can take you back to John 6 now, let me just kind of connect some dots here. Right after the miracle of feeding of the 5,000. Last week I showed you that the crowd came to him and it was the next morning and they wanted breakfast. They're like, we're hungry again, Jesus feed us. You got more food? And Jesus reminded him, remember? Like, no, no, I didn't come to feed your body. I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will have eternal life. I am the bread. And so he made some statements there, not only I am, but he called himself the bread of life. And people saw that and they're like, whoa, this is, this is too much. And they took offense at that. And the Bible says this, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. This isn't the crowd. This is the people who are close. Not the crowd, the close. His disciples. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? And I'm speaking to some people who are offended today. Offended at people. You're a disciple. You're close. And you're offended at Jesus. You're offended at others. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him because because he didn't meet my expectation or someone didn't meet my expectation. I didn't get what I want when I should have thought I got it and he came too late and it just wasn't or this didn't go the way. Look what this next verse says. Jesus goes, you don't want to leave too, do you? He told the 12, hey, you guys going to leave too? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Just a moment ago, they were hearts hardened, not realizing 
not, not understanding the lesson in the loaves even. And then right after this private victory, look what he says. You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the first statement of declaration of faith in Jesus from the disciples as the Messiah. The first. And it didn't come from the public demonstration of them getting their needs met and walking away with basketfuls and, and this big, powerful. It did not come from the public miracle, but from a private victory. This is what I believe God is is pointing to and what John is showing us in this is that some of us we follow God for the public stuff for our needs getting met we the the big and and you maybe you come to church and it's the public public but you listen to me when trials come and winds come and waves come and and when offenses come and you don't get your expectations met when they were supposed to be met you are not you're going to leave offended you won't know and believe unless you can get to this place as a disciple of Jesus where it's not a public thing, but a private victory. Where you invite Jesus into your life, into your boat, where you write something down in faith and say, I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you. Not like we trusting you, discovering with my, with my, my, my faith and seeing you do big things. No, no, God, in my life, with my marriage, with my kids, with my healing, so that you can have a story to tell that you stepped out. God caught you. And until that happens, until that happens, you will never really believe and know that he is the Holy One. It's not the public big demonstrations of Jesus' power that's going to hold you. It's the private victory when you invited him into the boat and he calmed the storm. That's what's going to hold you.